0: And Welcome to Thrive and Survive, a podcast about creatives who are trying to navigate how to balance their art, money, friends, family, and anything else that comes their way. We'll be talking about their motivation, mindset, creative process, and the challenges that they face while they focus on their artistic goals. I'm Stacey Peterson, and my guests today are the founders and artistic directors of Tooth and Sinew Theatre, Richard Hillier and Nicole Weinberg. We talk about what it's like working together as a couple, how they select and produce new shows, and how they're making the most of self-isolation to develop new ideas, support artists, and continue creating. Let's do it. All right, so I'm sat here today with Richard and Nicole, who are the founders of Tooth and Sinew Theatre Company. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Now I want to kind of jump straight in where did Tooth and Sin you come from? Like where did the idea come from and how far into your relationship personal or business sorry I'm not quite sure um, did you <laughs> come up with that idea? Like how did that how did that all start? I'm just so curious where it all came from.
2: Well we we both studied as actors at Theatre Nepean many years ago so we knew each other from there and we, we are um, engaged as well, so on, on a personal level. But we, coming out of acting school, we had another little company with some of the other actors called um, No White Elephant mm-hmm. and I think just over the years that just sort of dissolved and then the, the remaining, I guess, drive driving force was Richard and myself, so we decided to create our own company and that's how Tooth and Sinew sort of evolved I would say.
1: Yeah. Um cuz uh trained as I said, trained as actors. Um and it was that sort of thing where you'd be in plays and there's always that thing as an actor where you're like, "Oh, I don't think that's quite the right choice" or "Oh, it would be there'd be sections where you're like, "Oh, finally I could direct this section. I think this would be better." And then we decided to sort of put our money where our mouths mouths are (laughs) um so poetic um and start our own company and start producing work um and that was about seven six or seven years ago yeah I think Mm -hmm. we started doing that um
0: wow which oh sorry you go
1: oh no just and that was about halfway through our relationship we've been together as um partners for about 13 years I think Mm -hmm. um and yeah just about halfway through just decided to do a theater company.
0: Amazing. And I'm curious, um, kind of a relationship type question, but what were the original or initial challenges and benefits of kind of starting to work together professionally? Um, Is there anything that you've learned early on that you've changed or anything that you've learned about each other that you may not have if you hadn't worked together?
2: I will add one thing here. A little bit of a personal note yeah. is um, <laughs> we we often fight about who because we're co-producers. Um, we often argue about whose role um, something something belongs to. So, for example, who who does the email out this time around, or who does the accounting this time around, and. Yeah. Um, but otherwise it's been divided quite well because I've stuck with the acting side and Richard morphed, moved more into a directing role. So we we both co produce the production. Usually I'm in it um, as an actor and usually Richard is the director as well. So well, actually he has been for um, every...
1: <laughs> we've, you've all, you're always in it and I always direct it, so it's usually <laughs> always that's, good that's um, the
0: benefit of owning well, your own company right you get to decide who's in it and it's you
2: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah
1: <laughs> um but in regards to learning we um because we were both actors and we met at acting school we'd had worked together a fair bit anyway through acting in the same shows we'd acted together a, a lot like we'd played Romeo and Juliet we'd played Hamlet and Ophelia we'd you know, we would pl- played a lot of Shakespeare couples <laughs> um, just randomly. Um, so we were kind of used to that. And then once I think initially there was a bit of a, um, in the first two rehearsals of a first show, I think there was a little bit of a friction um, <laughs> where all of a Mild. sudden one of us can start telling the other one what to do mm. as a director where, when you're so used to being just cast members and that very equal relationship, and then all of a sudden there's one person saying, "Um, why don't you try doing it like that? I'm sure there's a bit of a culture shock (laughs) there. Um, But then you just, it's the same with any actor. Um, uh, You learn how to work with every actor and every actor learns how to work with every director and you find that groove, and then it's fine.
0: Yeah, great. And what's the breakdown of um, kind of the working process from we're going to put on a play? How do you decide which play that is? How do you work with submissions in that way? And um, what kind of actors do you seek? Is there a specific kind of person that you look for in terms of working with? What's that whole process like? Is it a planned one or does it really depend on the production and who the team is that you're working with?
2: I think I think historically for us it's been a bit of a mixed bag where um a lot of our productions come more from I guess passion projects so yeah. our latest one that we did Ubu I've personally wanted to do Ubu Ra for a long time since uni and then I we we're looking at submitting something to the KXT and we were at that t- point where we weren't sure, we weren't clicking with any plays that we've been reading. So time had kind of run short, to be completely honest, with um, the submissions. So we thought, what can we do? And then I suggested Ubu and then Richard took that and morphed it into um, a concept that was completely our own, um, using the original play as a springboard. So that's how that one came apart around. But sometimes, I think sometimes it is us finding a play that we really want to tell the story of or perhaps sometimes it is a a matter of this this particular theatre company is looking for um, submissions, they like this particular style so let's try to find something that they might gel with. Um, So it's a bit of a fine balancing act trying to find something that we're passionate about but also that we think might be picked up by one of the the main theatres.
1: Mm. And I guess the direction we're moving in, because um, we took Ubira and we, ter- we made a play called UBU, A Cautionary Tale of Catastrophe. And that was very much a devised piece where um, you started with the ideas, you cast, and then you just started to do improvisations and explorations and games, even, and the script emerged from that so it was a work in process so we pitched an idea rather than a completed text and because that was such a um fulfilling process for us and we were very happy with the final product that is kind of the direction we're leaning towards now where it's um if we still find a script we're passionate about obviously we would want to do it but uh i think we're feeling a bit more passionate at the moment about creating um new stories and taking ideas or themes coming up with a sort of baseline idea and then expanding that and devising that on the floor with a cast and writing the show as you go and then just putting that on. So I guess in answer to the question of what sort of actors do we look for, I think any director, producer would agree that the most important quality of an actor for any project ever um, is intelligence intelligence um, I think you want people that grasp the concepts quickly. You want people that are able to, particularly if it's being devised, you want creative um, performers who can offer ideas and suggestions and don't need to be led by the nose mm-hmm. um, that feel comfortable enough to make offers And so, yeah, intelligence is the most important thing. Uh, Good sense of humour and intelligence, that's for me at least.
0: Yeah. And um, Richard, I'm just curious from a director's kind of perspective, when you are going into the room to devise a new work, do you have any kind of structure that you go in with or any prep work, sorry, that you do to kind of start that collaborative process? Like I guess how do you start from... A and get to Z, um, are there any particular um, exercises that you do to get the cast all thinking in one way or what's that like from a director's
2: perspective?
1: Um, I think this is, I'm sure lots of directors have different ways of doing it, but for me I like to have a pretty solid idea of what we're aiming for before it starts. I Mm -hmm. think if you go in with just a kind of vague outline, you're going to struggle a bit more and it's going to take a lot longer. So usually um, I think it's important to come in with a pretty strong idea of what the end product is going to be. Like, for example, um, and that was largely done through improvisations. For example, we had a few scenes that were big sort of government meetings in Ubu. And so an example of a improvisation would be, okay, guys, because uh, we had developed their characters where they would send away and they'd create, come back with a character offer and then you'd go, oh, this aspect of this character is good. Um, and so you'd say, okay, with your characters, you're all going to be in a crisis meeting. Um, it's going to go for as long as it goes for, um, but you need to discuss four things. Mm-hmm. So it might be, okay, the air is too dirty. We're running out of food. There are no more trees. We're getting overrun by refugees, um, climate refugees, because Ubu was all about environmental destruction. And so uh, an improv like that, you sort of keep it going until you can feel the actors running out of steam. And some of those improvs went for 45 minutes um and then as a director you just let it run and you take notes and every time an interesting idea would pop up you write that down and then you can start threading that into the piece for example with this one because uber was so grotesque and stupid and over the top (laughs) <laughs> one of the solutions that uh, one of the actors offered in what do we, we've run out of animals and we have all these climate refugees, they're, one of the characters suggested that they should dress the refugees up in animal skins so people don't notice. So you solve the refugee problem by putting them in the zoos and making people think that they're animals Ooh. and that made its way into the show when one of the characters was sewn into a lion skin. Um, so yeah, it's just largely through improvisation. You find the stuff that sticks to you. Yeah.
0: That's great. And I'm curious, um, to kind of get onto a more financial side of things, what, how are shows funded and time-wise when it kind of gets down to the nitty gritty, um, pointy end of a production? How is your time divided? Do, are you working in other jobs while this is happening, or do you find it to be totally consuming? And uh, how do you balance kind of all those aspects um, of time and money?
2: I, well, that's the golden question, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> for, for us personally, for Truth and Sinew, we're self funded. So the, fun, the money comes 100% from our pockets. Um, I know a lot of other companies are quite good at securing corporate sponsorships or government um, sponsors but we haven't gone down that path yet so is that sorry
0: to interrupt you there is mm, that kind of a like an intentional choice or something you might explore in the future or you kind of want to go down that self-funded 100% route
2: no um, well we I think just from lack of skills from our own side or not skills but experience Mm, um, and exposure to applications Yeah, I think also um, the issue around particularly government government grants is that you do have to have quite a lengthy um, tick box approach. So Mm -hmm. they do have a lot of requirements and that does often um, not undermine but it can change your original ideas and concepts for the piece. So it no longer becomes 100% your own but something that Um, say the inner west council is looking for in terms of their sponsorship so that is the perks of being self-funded we can make our own work Um, but I think in terms of juggling jobs and producing time I think it just comes down to sleep when you're tired (laughs) eat when you're hungry and I think um, yeah we don't have any I would say what would you think any clear-cut approaches
1: um, because the company and the productions are self funded we both do need to keep working throughout the um mm. process um luckily, uh, both of us we have a little bit of flexibility in that Nicole is um self employed so she can uh, mm-hmm. work what hours she wants, and I work two jobs both casually, so usually you'll be working a lot throughout the rehearsal period. And then once it's starting to get close to the tech week and the first week of um, shows, um, I'll give myself two weeks off, Mm -hmm. um, A, for sanity, and B, (laughs) just so you can fully um, commit and devote your time to the show. So, yeah, work until about a week and a half before opening and then just take a few, take about two weeks off.
0: Great. And what's kind of, Obviously, actually, yeah, this question won't make sense because no one can really do anything at the moment. Um, You've just launched um, Theatre of Isolation, which is a virtual (laughs) theatre experience, seeing as though everyone's kind of staying at home and theatres and entertainment venues have been shut for the foreseeable next few months. Where did that idea come from? And was that something that kind of just sparked to your mind quite quickly or were you going through to see what you could keep doing to contribute to the
1: um the arts community um I guess the idea for theatre of isolation uh because on social media what we were hearing a lot from artists and creatives was um despair is a strong word but it feels a bit appropriate
0: yeah
1: um at the loss of opportunity to practice the the craft, pretty much. Where not only were people having to cancel shows and were losing gigs in the future, there's also that sense of and there's nothing to replace it with. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, you can always, as an actor, you can always be like, oh, the next audition, or as a director, oh, let's find the next, you know, submission season,
0: right? Something to keep working and towards,
1: towards and towards, and resources. all of that yeah, all of that went away very quickly for a lot of, for everyone. Um, so I guess the idea sprang from wanting to give people, even for the short term, uh, opportunities to do some work and to stay engaged with their practice largely. Um, and so initially the idea was, okay, reads, but we're leaning more and more into now it's, developments Mm -hmm. where you put um, a call out and you get new scripts that writers are keen to hear out loud and to receive feedback on. And so once you have that script, you organize a time for the read, then you put a call out for actors and then you do the piece. And that can be sometimes um, it's an ongoing thing where you do several reads over the course of, um, it could be weeks. Um, is what we're aiming towards. Just And so for us, we think the value in that is that is actually preparatory work for the future where, okay, now this script has really developed and it could be ready for a pitch okay. and it's in a better position to actually get staged. So reads are great, but they're very much just of the moment mm-hmm. where developments can have a future life. And so that's, and we're also keen to start doing roundtables where you might get a bunch of directors um, or designers or actors and you just chat um, about issues or thoughts around certain things.
0: That's great. And I think it's such a great opportunity to continue developing that community aspect, I guess, because if things have slowed down, there might be things that people – have been meaning to do or meaning to develop or meaning to whatever, but now they can actually do that with support from like-minded people around them. Have you found that, have there been any new talents that you hadn't kind of had anything to do with prior or have opened your eyes to a new way of looking at things like people in the community that you've never kind of touched base with before?
2: I think, um, yeah, absolutely. And that was one of our goals as well because I mean, historically tooth and sinew really we're put on an average uh when I say physical play, I mean a play in the in the outside of the <laughs> real world. Yeah. Um we we might do that once a year just because of I guess lack of spots in the Sydney in independent sector. Um right. so we're only exposed to seeing a certain amount of actors at auditions for one play a year essentially. But doing these call outs, because we do want to keep them open. We're getting a lot of interest and most of them are actors we've not met met or a lot of the times heard of. So that's been really wonderful being exposed um, to a whole lot of actors who we've not been aware of and also writers as well. Um, But we've been, yeah, approached (laughs) by a lot of different creatives that we have not had the pleasure of meeting or experiencing their work. So that's been a really wonderful thing.
0: That's great. And maybe it's kind of too early to tell as we're kind of quite early on in this situation, but has it changed or shifted the way you might approach the performances in the future like a, a new way, a new type of person that you would work with or a new way of thinking that you might approach that production with?
1: Um it's kind of yeah, it's kind of is tricky to say at the yeah. moment. Um, I think definitely because not really with Tooth and Sinew, but with other directing gigs I've done with other companies, oftentimes working on new scripts, it is like, wow, that development period is, I would say it's essential. Yeah. Um, but Sydney theatre, Australian theatre, it we, scripts aren't really given that time and so we've got this mess of time at the moment Mm -hmm. so you might as well give those scripts the development period that you know they should have but because there's no money they never do yeah i
2: I also wonder if perhaps um the idea now that we've all been forced into using digital media to communicate with each other and to devise new things i think everyone's starting to realize that this is a, a financially a great thing because we're not having to hire Um, venues, reads, all that. And as Richard said, there's just because of lack of funding and time, plays don't get developed Um, in Sydney. So we often lack, um, I guess, uh, you know, continuous new works coming through, like somewhere in Europe, they, um, you know, they really have the new work coming through where we don't really hear. So I wonder if perhaps moving forward, companies might be more interested in doing these sorts of developments over Zoom or over Skype to eliminate the financial costs, but also mm. just to create new work as right. well as right. physical plays.
0: Yeah, and give the time, invest the time yeah. without having to invest that overhead that might otherwise be a deterrent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I'm not- going to go.
1: Oh, I was just going to say the other good thing about it is convenience. There's no commute. Um, you don't have to find a central place that's convenient for however many actors you need, as well as the writer, a dramaturg, the facilitator.
2: We've had um, actors Skyping in overseas. We had a, um, an actress last night who was Skyping or the night before Skyping in from London. So that's yeah. been really nice potentially working with designers and creatives overseas as well on a local production. Um, that could definitely be a possibility.
0: Amazing, that's kind of the, the silver lining of having to do everything from online is that you do get to connect with people that kind of, you don't even realize exist within your reach because they're physically so far away. Mm. And I'm wondering kind of for you, for both of you personally, how kind of being, I guess, less around people physically and working maybe a bit more solo than normal, has it enhanced or challenged your creativity and productivity or are you kind of finding ways to work around that or are you kind of secretly loving it because you get to get stuff done without distraction?
2: <laughs> I was saying recently I'm secretly loving it because um, I'm one of those people that gets bogged down with too much possibility mm-hmm. to the point where I don't actually do much <laughs> because there's so much to, to be done. Yeah. Um, so at the moment we're finding because we're forced into this lockdown period we would never have thought to do this or sink our time into this medium unless we were forced to. So I guess one way it's it's increased our productivity and, um, yeah, I would say it's increased it quite a bit.
1: Definitely. Um, I am also perfectly happy in isolation, <laughs> uh, fairly solitary person a lot of the time. Um, and, yeah, it is just – and you – It's, as Nicole was saying, it does actually make you, you can either sit around and do nothing or you can sort of push yourself into that um, productive space. And also what's really helpful for us is it lets us meet a lot more people. Mm. Um, A lot of the actors we've worked with on reads we've never met before. Mm. The first time we've properly met them is in the Zoom meeting just before the read starts. And then because after the read you're able to have it because you discuss the play and then you just have a bit of a chat for a little while. Because um, just an opportunity to socialize. So it is a good chance to broaden your networks. And mm. so, as a company, it's good for us because you meet writers, you meet more actors. And so, no connection is a bad connection. So, mm. it's good to make them.
0: Excellent. And um, I'm curious because of others, you've spoken a bit about the industry in Sydney, the theater industry. And I know that there's a lot of chat about kind of how the arts are valued or not valued in terms of the job subsidies and everything around that. Do you think that this kind of forced withdrawal from the arts and theatre will increase people's appreciation of it once we're kind of allowed to come out?
2: Uh, That's a a tricky one. Sorry, that is a big
0: question. I guess I'm just curious how you think it's going to, I guess, impact the industry and you know, maybe impact the way, oh, maybe this is a better way to phrase it, is um, how it might impact the way people engage with the arts, whether whether it will stay as a physical experience for people or whether it might continue to stay as an, an online experience or a combination of the both.
2: I my, my sorry. Did you want to go first? No, go. Um, sorry to <laughs> pop that bomb on you. I realized it's a big question. Just your opinion. I'm not asking you to solve all the problems. <laughs> um, no, my I think my opinion, my 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 personal opinion and observations, at least yeah. in Sydney independent sector, is the audiences that attend the shows. It, it tends to be a a bit of a um a circulation. So a lot of the audience is made up of fellow actors or fellow creatives and groups of people who have a genuine interest in in the Mm theatre. And those people might also go to the STC or Griffin or Opera Australia. So I feel like theatre survives on a very, almost like an insular um, group of audience members. I feel like being deprived of it, once we're allowed to create live theatre again, I think they're all going to flood out and rejoice. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to make us gain any audiences mm-hmm. that might not otherwise have been there. I also wonder because I think conveniently um, people outside of the arts tend to forget that um, Netflix and Stan is made from art, by artists. Mm-hmm. So that's classified as art and I think because that, um, streaming has gone through the roof. People have taken that for granted, but unfortunately, I don't think they're realizing that, that, you know, they're not making that join between yeah. artists and their entertainment that they, they binge now they're at home.
0: Right. Um, they've increased so their streaming, but don't realize that they're actually increasing their art intake whilst doing that increased streaming. That's
2: right. Yeah. It's almost okay. like they've taken that for granted. So I wonder if, I don't know, I think maybe if there's a conversation around that and if people realize and make those um those those jumps between what they're experiencing at home in front of Netflix and also the struggling artists i yeah I, I'm not too sure about that
1: I'm pretty doom and gloom about <laughs> uh, the outlook over it. it won't it's not a killing blow um to live performance art but I definitely think it is a wound Mm. that will take time to heal i think once uh the restrictions are lifted and the theaters are opened again i think creatives will rush out to make new work yeah i don't think audiences will rush out to join them okay um Mm -hmm. i think people i think it's going to take a little while for theater to warm up again um i first things first just people's um Probably hesitation to be in large groups in dark enclosed rooms. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think it'll what'll be interesting to me is how much lethargy will creep into society after six months of being forced to sit around at home.
0: Right, convenience can become a curse.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think for a little while people will not be as active. Even like once they're allowed out, I think people will go to the gym a lot and they'll Mm -hmm. go and do a lot of. They'll go to the parks. Um, they'll go to do those sort of social things, but I don't think they're going to be as invigorated to do those sort of cultural pursuits. And also, the other thing to consider is money. Everyone's going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, um, and be kept um, so more
0: cautious will, with it.
1: Disposable mm. income ha- is greatly reduced, and so I think I think it'll be a few months of probably not great houses mm-hmm. before, hopefully, I don't think, and once again, dim and gloom, hopefully I'm wrong. No, I don't think. No, that's it, okay. I, think <laughs> I think they'll work their way. I think theatre will work its way back to where it was. I don't think it will go beyond okay. what it was. I think people who didn't go to theatre still won't
2: because
1: mm. um, that's the question that we've all been asking ourselves for the past 60 years, um, ever since everyone first had their own TV, um, how do you encourage people to leave, and particularly now with streaming, this machine at home that can show you pretty much anything you want to see? Yeah. How do you convince them to go and see a play? Um yeah, it's a tough, question that's a tough no equation. Yeah, yeah. Um and all you can do is keep doing what you're pa the only reason people still make theater is because they love it and they're passionate yeah. about it. And that's not going anywhere. Um So, yeah, I I think it's going to be a long time to heal, but it will.
0: Yeah. And what's your kind of aim for tooth and sinew? Do you have an ultimate plan that you uh, hope to reach or just kind of keeping going with how you're doing it? Is there a big five-year plan that you have ready to go? Well, obviously with this taken into consideration, I guess more if this wasn't happening, what would your original plans have been?
2: Well, we're moving into the Rosalind Packer in 2025. Yeah, um, amazing! Over that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no. Um,
2: I think we, um, after Ubu or, or, or Ubu last year, September last year, we I felt like we finally um, hit a point for the company where we go, aha, that's our style, or that's mm. what this type of theatre we want to make. And we actually had the opportunity to remount it again towards the end of this year. Whether or not that that's still on the table, whether or not that happens because of the lockdowns, we don't sure. know. Um, we're looking at also touring that that particular um, production next year. Again, that's all up at the moment with what's happening with the virus. But mm. I think it was unfortunate for us personally because we hit a point where we we finally realised that's exactly the type of theatre and uh, we want to make, and then there's been a pause. <laughs> so, yeah, and you're like, no, i have just ready. We've made the breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, we're just heating up. So yeah. I think for us, um, starting back where we were six months ago, whenever we can pick up again and then moving forward, I think, yeah, we're just in this moment where we're just playing around with our own style and what that means and on a commercial level where we can sell that or can't be all that, yeah.
1: And it's also, but even the lockdown, um, it's a wonderful opportunity for writers um, where even though, yeah, the work we want to make is devised in a group scenario, you might as well, the, I because we've got <coughs> ideas for shows that we want to do, might as well start writing them now, um, have been started writing on the follow-up to UBU, which would be a very different stylistically. Um And just I think it's a good chance to, particularly this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. we want to do, which is creating our own stuff rather than just finding a script and putting it on. Um, Now's the perfect time to be brainstorming and writing and just sort of really crystallising those ideas. So once we can go outside again, um, you can dive straight into those developments with other bodies in the room where you, that's when because those developments you require, they don't. Um, online developments can only take you so far sure. um, before you need to be in the space with bodies um, experimenting and creating. And so I think now is a great time to do the prep work. So yeah. once we're allowed out again, you dive straight into it.
0: Amazing. Well, and thank you so much for coming and chatting. Um, it's been really interesting to hear how, You've been impacted in what you're doing with your time, and especially utilizing the online portals for the theater of isolation. Are there any dates or details around that project that you'd like to share, just so we can spread it far and wide, so as many people can watch or get involved?
2: Yeah,
1: it's an ongoing thing um, where it is. It's just um, multiple things happen like throughout. Like we've done, we've started doing reads about a week and a half ago and we've done three so far. Great.
2: We're, um, yeah, at the moment we're using it as a platform to facilitate um, networking and, and sort of a springboard for new creations. So mm-hmm. we're kind of. Um, nice. do, doing a read and, ma- and setting up a dramaturg with the playwright and letting them go off on their own and then come back and do another read. So um, we're posting all our open calls for actors on our Facebook page, um, which is just the Truth and Sinew Facebook page. So all the call-outs for readers um, will be on that and also um, for writers or dramaturgs or any kind of creatives. Um, at the moment, we don't have any dates around public readings because everything's still in its sure. infancy. Um, but we'll be posting again all of that on, um, yeah, the Tooth and Sinew mm. Facebook page.
1: It'll it's just be healthy. things that are happening all the time. Yeah, so I'll make just sure I
2: link in- it up so any
0: <laughs> actors and writers who might listen can find their way to you. Yeah, yeah.
1: if anyone's keen to have a chat, just get in touch and we'll have a chat.
0: Great. Well, It's been such a pleasure chatting to you guys and I'm so excited to see what happens with theatre of isolation and with Tooth and Sinew Theatre once we can all get out of our houses. (laughs) (laughs) Us too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank Thank you you very much. much. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye. You can find out more on their website, toothandsinew.com or on their Facebook at Tooth and Sinew. Thanks for listening. And I'm excited to bring you along to meet some more interesting people who are balancing the art of making art. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at thrive and survive podcast, or check out the website thrive and survive com. And that's it for now. You've been listening to thrive and survive. See you in the next episode.